0: We do not support cannibalism! <laughs> we don't!
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the first Irenicast of 2016. We are the weekly podcast dedicated to conversations on faith and culture. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff. I'm Mona. And I'm Alan. Thank you so much for joining us this week for our very first episode of the year. And this week, I think appropriately, when we hit the new year... We're always talking about this idea of newness, and and hopefully our goal at the beginning of the year with our New Year's resolutions are, I'm trying to be a better person, I'm trying to move forward, I'm trying to progress as a person, and hopefully bring people along with me. So that's going to be our topic, is this idea of the myth of progress, or basically we're going to be answering or trying to answer the question, is the world getting better or worse? Or is that even a question that misses the whole point of how we should look at history and moving forward? And then for our segment this week, we're going to be sharing our... New Year's resolutions or lack thereof. Yeah, so let's let's get into this. Maybe we should start with the, the first question is, I, I have a feeling that we're probably on different pages with this, but basically, do you feel we are moving forward and progressing or not as a species?
0: Man, that's a really freaking complicated question. There's about 300 years of philosophy that's debating that. So I'm looking at it in like a philosophical, theoretical macro sense, but you can certainly look at it on an individual level as well. Um, and I think so.
2: Mona's up on the mountaintop, is what we're hearing. <laughs> well,
0: it's funny though because all of us actually have internalized ideas of this that might be conditioned by our personal outlook on the world, where we're, our our vantage point is in the world, like what country we live in, where what neighborhood we live in, um, how up to date we are in current events, or what kind of news sources we listen to. Like, but even though if we and, articulate and how, it and or how not,
2: empowered, right? And how empowered we are like politically and and economically. Yep.
0: Mm -hmm. And whether we articulate it or not, most of us have some kind of understanding or opinion on the matter. Is the world getting better or worse?
1: I should note as we we move forward, we are going to be scraping because this this idea, when we talked about it, is very close to the idea of eschatology or when we talk about the biblical end time stuff. So we're going to scratch the surface maybe with that idea, but next week we are going to use the the idea of end times or the theological term eschatology and kind of go another step with this whole idea. So I just want to put that yeah, out. Yeah, because out front.
2: those those two ideas of are we progressing and what are we headed toward kind of go hand in hand. They are different but they definitely complement each other.
0: Yeah, sure. but, yeah, but, and both have to do with both history and future. Um, so how you look at the past and how you look at what we're going toward, like you said. Um, but it's more complicated than just optimism and pessimism from everything that I've read on this subject. Um, that certainly has some to do with it though. There's that, that just, whether you're basically in life, an optimist or a pessimist will, will have to do with, um, even, even scholars who write on this will have to do with, uh, how they see it. So what do you, what do you guys personally think about this?
1: I personally, I, Am a huge proponent of the myth of progress, so much so that I don't like calling it the myth of progress. And I'm sure we'll get more into that. But I, I do believe we are on a positive trajectory headed towards the future.
0: What What determines that positive trajectory?
1: Well, I think I think as we kind of talk about this, we'll we'll throw some stuff out there. But I think um, we all probably have our own barometers as far as what we judge and base that on. Um, But for me, I I look at it in terms of, uh, and I know it doesn't feel like it, especially your context. It was hard for me to get to a place where I felt like we were moving forward because I was bombarded growing up in church with Jesus is coming, the world's going to get worse before it gets better, and then every news item that we have that gives that idea fuel, we raise it up against all the other news items that are positive and counteract that. And I think that whenever there is some kind of, and especially now, whenever there's some kind of attack or violence or anything like that, it feels as though the world is getting worse. And I know some people barometer that by, you know, people's sexual preference, which I don't, obviously. Um, You know, well, there's gay marriage, so now we're even worse off than we were. But I look at it in terms of, like, violence and freedom for people. And I know there's still a lot of work to be done in that area. But, and I'll put some links into the show notes. There's a, a, a TED Talk that was done by this guy named, like, oh, man, what's his name? Oh, Steven Pinker. And he talked about how we are living in the least violent time yeah. in the history of the world. and I, They call I,
2: it the long peace is yeah, what I've heard.
1: Exactly. And I think that there's a lot of validity to that. And then I just look at the, the more recent history of our own country, obviously a narrow focus. But, you know, there is movements for it. And I think just like anything else, it's a pendulum swing. We overcompensate. We undercompensate. Um, and if you look at the the graph of, you know, if there was a graph on how better or worse we are doing i think there are definitely times where we revert and go down but i still see the overall trajectory as an upward movement
0: so just to just to clarify one thing though um you said something about gay marriage being like a sign of things declining that's not the opinion of the people on the show just for clarification no yeah no i'm saying that that's
1: that would be an opinion that i've grown up with and that i'm still exposed to Um, so everyone has their different barometer on what makes the world good
2: so that's actually why I feel like it's difficult for, for this conversation for me. It's hard to gauge whether, you know, progress is infinite material progress or um, like there's an infinite breakdown from some better past because you have to answer the question like what are humans for or what is the world for? And that's the fancy word for that is teleology. We talked about that off air a little bit, but like. If, if you can't answer the question what the purpose is of a person then it's difficult to determine whether there is progression or not right like am I is my sole existence to create stock shares for a corporation that benefits off of my work because if that's true then maybe you know like there's a progress because people are making unprecedented strides in, in wealth uh, accrual in our country but if that's not what I'm for then maybe is the the progression is, um, an illusion. So I think those initial questions are harder to ask.
0: In, I, in academia, at least, um, teleology has been kind of largely rejected because, um, you can't prove ends. You can't prove it. And it's not quite helpful for us to ask those kinds of questions. Uh, it
2: is theologically.
0: (laughs) Well, no, a lot of theologians don't look at, they, they reject telos as well, you know? Um, so that's, that's so, a so whole what, so what that is is like itself.
2: the 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 ancient um, way of looking at it was uh, like in Greek philosophy, you'd look at something and say, what is a thing for? And you could determine its existence based on is it being used for the thing for which it was destined? Like is the acorn going into the ground, creating the tree kind of thing? That was Aristotle. That's its telos it's meant to become a fully grown oak tree. And when I look at human beings and I look at progress and that kind of stuff, for me, it is a pressing question, like what are human beings for? Like what what is the purpose of a human being? And I think people have moved away from that because they've bought into nihilism. I, I That's don't That's not
0: think, no, come on. <laughs> I that don't is want not to. not the opposite Hold of teleology. On.
2: Hold on. It's not. But I I don't agree with the idea of progress that the Enlightenment has kind of portrayed and since then so I, I think I think there's a lot of philosophers that I, I would agree with that have criticized that but on the other side like Nietzsche basically was one of the biggest opponents of the myth of progress and he he was like the father of that right I mean
0: he, he was not about a nihilist no okay. he was not no a nihilist.
2: intrinsic
0: no, he okay. he he wanted to bring people back to their creatureliness and, yes. and life in the present, and he he comes across as like a nihilist. I I love Nietzsche, so I will like. <laughs> I'm sorry, getting a little intense, but he'll come across as like um, a. A Bachian, like somebody who just lives for pleasure or who finds no purpose in the earth. But Nietzsche's whole point was like, if human beings, the telos of human beings is anything other than being human beings, we get ourselves in, in ethical trouble in moral trouble. So like, if you say the point of humans is to be happy, you get into John Stiller, Stuart mill area where you're saying, well, we're just all supposed to chase happiness all the time and utility. And therefore it's okay to make for governments to make decisions that um, punish some for the happiness of others, you know? So yeah. So because he, for
2: him, he, he he looked at like the depth of human reality right like like the pit of human reality was to be a human being and that didn't mean being happy all the time because humans weren't happy all the time right well, is that, is, that's is that what missing you're the
0: point no he he definitely like would embrace us happiness but for him happiness is coming back to our creatureliness and our our and and the fact that we're 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 bound and we come from the earth and to be in the present moment and to embrace All of what we are leads to happiness, but happiness is not the end point. Happiness is kind of a natural outcome or a symptom of embracing. Who, who you are. Um, so he, he mocks a lot of institutions. He even mocks the academy um, in the book. I highly recommend Thus, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. He writes, um, you know, people who study for a living are just basically in a room by themselves building these little things and then destroying them. And like they lose touch with the outside world. So um,
2: that's a really interesting book. It's like an allegorical, like uh, classical portrayal of his philosophy.
0: He wrote it as a res- kind of a response as a response to Christian uh, scriptures and canon, and it's a beautiful work. I totally recommend it. Did they make a movie? Did they make? I don't movie? think you could make a movie of this one. <laughs> yes,
2: you can. It would just be lots of dialogue.
0: Yeah. So, so let's talk about the uh, myth- the scientific or the Enlightenment. Um, Myth, because it's you know, in the Enlightenment, you had like Newton or pre Enlightenment, all these people, um, you know, and Da Vinci inventing these phenomenal things. So there's kind of like a a general faith in technology and um society building based on the work of Immanuel kant he did a lot of work on you know what social relation is which is funny because kant didn't really have like very good social skills so he studies it like from very much an outsider (laughs) perspective um you know what does it mean to like build um the ecclesia or like the the community of people who are moral together and what does it mean to do right by each other um and this is also the age of colonization where governments would send out envoys and, and missionaries and colonize and then take, you know, charge of other people's land, you know, with the, under the understanding that their job was to spread Christianity and freedom and, and, uh, emerging democracy throughout the whole world, because this would civilize the whole world and create order and morality and um, encourage technological growth. And that would lead to a better world in general. So actually, democracy is a myth of progress (laughs) in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, for sure. The Western civilization itself, there are some people who argue that it's built into Western civilization, the idea that uh, what we have going on is an upward progression and that that's something that's going to increase and spread. Um, but the technology thing is really interesting. I think a lot of people, it, it's a powerful tool when you have, for instance, a new iPhone come out. Is it every year, Jeff? Is that right? Yep. like Every, every year. single year. That's crazy. But anyway, you have some, better technology in our lifetime. We have demonstrable planned steps that have shown us, like, next year, you can count on being able to do more things than you were able to do this year. So that, that idea of science and enlightenment progression toward a technological future where things get easier and better for all people. We see that like demonstrated every single year. Um, But the question is like, is there an underside to technology that has been hidden by this idea of progression? That's perfectly, I
0: think that's perfectly stated. I have in my margin here of my notes, 20th century technology. It like really mirrors the enlightenment mythos, which is so funny that you said that. Um, Because I think what it is, and the myth of progress is like, um, have you ever seen like a a limit in calculus? This might be too far gone for some people, but you know, it's like a curve. It's a curve that infinitely um, approaches a line, but never, never gets there. But it, it gets infinitely... More and more and more and more close. So if the line is perfect human well-being, what humanity does is in the limit, we try to get as close as we can. We try to approximate and we try to get more and more and more close to it. But the problem is, how do you define human well-being? Right? So, yes. So people have different conceptions of what perfect human well-being is. And the question is, um, how do we gauge whether our efforts are on that curve toward hum- human well-being or not? Like, for example... Cell phones have created a lot of human well-being, you could argue. You can't prove it, but you could argue that. But mining the materials for cell phone, like Coltan, has destroyed entire countries in Africa and caused immeasurable human suffering and loss and is not sustainable. Um, Or you could say all of the... Wait, but
2: but before you move on from there, it's also not sustainable in the sense that releasing new versions of phones every year has pushed technology to better and better heights. But at the same time, we are stripping minerals from the surface of the earth that are almost impossible to get to further down. So we're basically like selling out our future to have new versions of stuff every single year. They're not going to be able to use the same, Material that we have, it's going to be so much more difficult for them to create
0: yeah, in and the that's, future. And that's why people argue capitalism itself is not sustainable because it, it creates an infinite demand and a, a drive forward that outpaces what we can sustainably do with the environment or our resources. And therefore, um, capitalism kind of gobbles itself up over time. So, So, that's the question what is human well being for all people? Because human well-being for me does not sometimes comes at the cost of human well-being for other people, um, and what is what does it mean to spread human rights and freedom and democracy? Um, do we have this emerging world order, or do we have just an infinitely richer class and an infinitely poorer class of, of people And globally? I would
2: say that beyond that, theologically for me, because of my theological makeup, those questions move beyond human. Well-being to the entire planet, like to the entire created order, because I am a Christian. I see like our good and health and um, human good being connected to the good of animals and ecosystems and all sorts of things. And you can make that argument whether you're a Christian or not. But for me, that's that's part of like. That's why I wanted to bring up teleologies. I do believe we do have a purpose. Like I, I believe that we are supposed to be caretakers. Not that the world was created in seven days or that the Genesis account is literal. Maybe it's something we're evolving into. But I do believe we're supposed to take care of one another and the earth. And I can't prove that, but that's a part of my faith.
0: What if taking care of the earth means like, you know, we stop making technology and populations decline and people die? And <laughs> like, what if it means sacrificing yeah, in order to do a, that?
2: It's obviously a balance, balancing act. Yeah, for well, sure. I think that's
1: why we can't necessarily look at... The, we can't look at this issue in a micro level, right? I mean, we can't look at like like an instance, like let's use technology as an example. Uh, you, you can't look at the fact that, okay, we're making more iPhones every year, but it's causing this um, environmental damage and damage for this people group because we're taking this resource or whatever like yeah that's happening in the moment but then there's also the fact like if not for the technology then you wouldn't have more and more people aware that that's happening to even call it out and say
2: that's true
1: say well we need to stop that so that's why i that's why i said before it's it seems to be like but you have so to look at the macro
0: but that's how. So, that's so hypocritical <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> to say like, hey we should stop you. that but i'm benefiting from it so i'm gonna like look like a good person to say hey you know stop mining for coltan i'm a new iphone like i but that's what how we can do. i say that that is what we do but, but, it's that, not but right. that's what i'm
1: saying is that's what we do right now but that's that doesn't mean we're not in the midst of a pendulum swing where okay now we've 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 identified these two things that seems contradictory how do we find that balance to kind of make things better and i think The only way we can do that is to first be aware of it. So it is kind of a paradox in the sense that the only reason we're aware of it is because they're doing it. But if we look at the macro of it, then maybe, you know, three, four decades from now, we've kind of found the solution or we found a new material. Because even though we do release iPhones every year, they are using different materials every couple years or so because they find a new material or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that these things aren't bad, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying is that doesn't mean that we're not in the midst of change.
2: I, I do want to say, though, that that's tokenism. Like, there are corporations who give little pieces of truth and who look like we're they they are a part of some moral progress. But that is illusory that they're doing um, – they're hiding – they're always hiding more than they're showing. That's just uh, – that's good business. No, practice.
1: I agree with that. And I
2: think I- that – like oh our technology has given us the ability to see how evil or we really are <laughs> I don't know no
1: but that that's I'm using that as an example I'm not saying that as like a definitive whatever oh, sure. but at the same okay. time there is a little there's a there's a nugget of truth in that and there's I'm just two we,
2: sides to one coin is what you're saying we, like, yeah I'm, we I'm we have saying we can't think we'll
0: eventually find a more sustainable energy source for example besides fossil fuels and people are working on that but we're actually not putting in the grand scheme of things we're actually not putting that much resources to finding that like compared to other exploits that we do a- in the US right and so- if we
2: don't and if we do- this is really interesting if we don't find um that alternative fuel source the problem is we are driving our cars and using a natural resource the same natural resource that like flies airplanes we are spending all of that resource on Kind of dumb stuff. Like I get in my car to go buy a banana at the store instead of (laughs) waiting till I go grocery shopping a few days later, right? I I, I expend fossil fuels and and oil on things that I could probably wait to do. And the problem is, if you look into our future, human future, it looks like progress. But what happens when we don't find that alternative fuel source? And instead, we've spent all of the things. People can no longer fly. We can't, you know. Oh, no, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. (laughs) It's not just about travel. We have six thousand household items made out of oil. We're talking like, yes, anything yeah. plastic in your home, bras. Okay, I think, we're, I think like, we're venturing
1: into a new yeah. new episode. Well, but what, I, what but, I'm trying but to but say is
0: all that saying, connected. Like, we are our entire way of life and being in the world is completely jeopardized if we don't have fossil fuels and oil. Okay, so a, a it's match a, a match
2: looks like progression. All I'm trying to say is this: that's one symptom of the larger thing. We you talked about the way we have set up the entire world is gobbling itself up. It's actually true. Like a match looks like progression, right? And it could be that we're going to infinitely get brighter and brighter into the future and, you know, for billions of years. Or it could be that we have this initial technological progression, but really what's happening is we're using everything up and we don't even realize it because we can't see past our own timeline.
1: True. And I, my example is not meant to give a specific a specific like this is the way that we can tell what's going on but what i meant by that was is that when we talk about this issue we can't just look at at what's happening now with some kind of speculation as as accurate as it may be of the future without looking at an issue and being like okay so this is what it is like now we have to if we're going to answer this question are we getting better or worse we have to then look at it and compare it to what's happened before and then balance that with what we see and speculate for what's going to happen in the future. So it's this balancing act between the past, present and future. And if we stick in any one of those realms, then I don't think we're appropriately a- addressing this issue or this, this question.
0: Right. But there are whole realms of science that can actually tell us pretty definitively, like environmentalism, like, no, yes. no, no, we're heading toward a fiery end. <laughs> like we Hottest need, you know. year
2: ever. Absolutely. So, okay. True. Yeah. So, but like,
1: hypothetically speaking… What if we? What if someone invents something that reverses some of that that we haven't thought of? Like I'm
0: saying that it could, but we're banking on it. We're banking yeah, on faith. it happening. We're, we're going into debt over it happening, but we don't know for sure that we can make hydrogen fuel work. For example, so that's
2: why it's called a myth, is it has a belief structure. Is yes. that People believe science will save us. As. Yes. And, and and we're like we're setting ourselves up to fail with the expectation that science will catch us as we're falling off the cliff okay so then what i
1: think we're really house. talking about here is not like do we believe we're getting better but do we believe that we have the potential as people to be better and it's our choice
0: yeah and there's a there's a third kind of way to look at it and so two of the two of the most famous people who have written on this are are two philosophers in the 19th century hegel and marx so if i can just summarize i think this will help the conversation if i talk about these oh no she's talking
2: a... about marx
0: you guys, I love Marx. Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Hegel writes about that every historical age has a spirit. And he his, his has a famous quote that says, the march of God or spirit in the world is history. So let that sink in for a second. I think like a lot of people would see this as conduci- conducive to Christian theology, perhaps. Um this, this spirit kind of is this giant, like this high level thing that will take us to um, a better high level thing next time. And he said conflict occurs between states or spirits transferring. So, big conflicts that we've known in the world are when we're having a transition from a past age to a, a future age or a past age to a present age. So, all tools of the spirit <clears throat> and self um, realization are, um, important, right? So like, um, so like war, for example, Hegel says it's an engine of progress, which gets uncomfortable for a lot of us, but we also see that to be true in history to some degree. Like for example, world war, world war two is the reason that we have dishwashers and, and washing machines for our homes. So, um, you, you can you can kind of see some evidence for Hegel's um, theory being correct, that the processes of development come through conflict and that each age has a, a spirit and that God's presence marches through history to take us to a better place. Okay, so that's Hegel. Marx flipped that on its head and said, it's not the spirit, the material, the productive forces, and that human uplift over time tends toward equal sharing of resources, and that's where you get Marxian communism. So... Um, Marx was really focused on the resource aspect of labor and production and how that would bring us into a more humanitarian time. So both of these theories have been largely debunked in academic circles. Why? Because of the 20th century, because we saw nuclear war. We saw the Holocaust. We saw decolonization and development struggles of countries, um, who have perpetually had a hard time developing mostly because um, in the words of later, more contemporary philosophers um, like Foucault and Said, that um, improvement has only like like myths of progress really um, benefit the most powerful people and that the powerful people the powerful nations, the powerful forces in the world, will only allow countries to develop if if it um, benefits them, and so it, there's a, a a notion of um, that that progress is a tool of control that that um, more poor people or countries have to have the permission or the tutelage of powerful people, and so they're really at they're really beholden to power structures. So, um, so you know, what do we do with industrial sprawl and slums and giant, um, giant waves of human suffering that have come from? our push toward technology and our push toward development. And how do we prove that every spirit has an age that ultimately marches towards God's will? We can't prove that. We don't know that. And we see instances in really modern history where people are just really awful to each other and have still have horrific even in all of our work the past 300 centuries, all of our work to be a better world, we still have horrific capacity to destroy each other and human nature is like a blink of an eye away from being in the place where we're ready to blow each other up so we're not getting better that's what people say we're not getting better
2: from a from a like christian perspective that that like terminology the spirit of the age is very ancient and like philosophical and religious there's there's this uh in the new testament idea that the spirit of the age isn't always in step with the spirit of god and the goal of like at least jesus or christianity is to recall that spirit back to a more divine purpose like what god has purposed it for so it's really interesting to consider like i i love the um like emergence theory and stuff like that like all the parts can't explain the whole and that's kind of what i hear you saying is all of society has this bigger whole that is producing downward effects on like regular people it's marching history in a certain direction and i think that's true and i think that that needs to be looked at and um
0: well i'm thinking of like like for example that we in our in our world today in u.s in u.s society and globalist societies um corporations are largely becoming almost more powerful than governments does that mean that progress has led us there and that's a natural outcome or is that a corruption of progress and a corruption of democracy like which is it okay you know yeah. what i mean
2: I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that actually reminded me of what I was thinking of. That, by the way, there's a YouTube video um, from the Idea channel from PBS that's really interesting about corporations as myths, like mythology of corporations. Really interesting. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. But what I was thinking of when you're measuring like human good, it gets really complicated. And I guess that's my only point for this conversation is that, yes, you can look at like, for instance, trends of human lifespans. I don't think there's any human being on the planet that would say longer lifespans are bad. Like that's a good goal for technology to have. We should be living longer and expanding our life. Like that's, that's a good thing to me theologically. And, but the, but the problem is if you, if you read like medical literature and you speak to people who are in medical communities,
0: there's a lot
2: of human suffering that has come about because we have technology to increase our lifespans. Like, Yes, longer life, but at what cost kind of thing. There's a lot of um, end-of-life questions that are now being really discussed that have been taboo in the past. But there's, there's just a lot of difficulty that comes with living longer. And I think everybody can see that. Um, and maybe technology will save us. Maybe we'll be able to transport our consciousness into a robot and be eventually flying through the universe by ourselves in a little metal contraption with nobody around us because everything's spreading out from each other. But that's a different story.
0: Well'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that artificial intelligence is gonna control us in like my lifetime so <laughs> I'm pretty dang sure So, so, so you're like, this
2: questions this question's moot.
0: The robots are gonna take human. over and then the robots gonna are probably tell us
2: what human goodness is. Right? They're gonna
0: tell us yeah, they're probably gonna save the environment and they're probably gonna, you're, they'll make us like a slave class baby but um, they'll probably make, make the world better. No I'm completely joking that's a, a terrible thing to joke about. But did you know we just created a robot? where was it Stanford or MIT, something put a link Um, that will say no to humans. They have that technology now. Like if you tell the robot, this particular robot to like jump off the edge of the table, it'll like measure that there is a ledge coming and it'll be like, no, I'm not going to do it. So we're close people. Oh my my gosh. I know. So, okay. So here's my question. Why does it matter if we measure progress or not? Because the myth of progress, whether you love it or hate it, the idea is, that progress is good, has spurned humans to reach for the stars literally, right? Has spurned us like this whole space exploration age. Like we're going to go into a new, better age of history where we can explore space. That's why we spend all this money going to the moon or whatever. Like the belief in it, whether it's real or not, whether it's legitimate or not, whether it's, it's something we ought to believe in or not, has caused us to do great things. For better yeah. or for worse. And,
2: and and I love that. I personally am somebody who believes that we should be exploring the universe, that it's our destiny to live outside of our planet. Like I buy into all that stuff wholeheartedly, theologically and religiously, but I think there needs to be a serious critique of that, a powerful, like, check and balance system where all of that stuff, the the ends have to be justified by the means in my mind and for my religion. Like you can't have a dishwasher at the expense of seventy million people dying in World War Two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you that's a really big, like, blown well, that out abortion example. Point.
0: Yeah, okay. That wasn't the point <laughs> you
2: were making, but what I <laughs> that point was an I'm outcome. making is like yeah. to get to Mars I, at the expense of human suffering, like that can't be a part of the equation. And and it doesn't have to be. Like we can do science and we can do um uh economics and other stuff ecologically. Like we can think about the world in a healthy way and people are proving that you don't have to rely upon this machine of 500 years of conquering and looting and exploiting people and, you know, pollution and other things that, um, Chris hedges points out. There's, there's some really good like journalism out there about, um, myth of progress and societies collapsing and all sorts of stuff. I'll put a link up to it. Um, but you don't have to rely upon that to do good science. And we're discovering that, I guess, Jeff, because of science. No, not because of science. But um,
0: anyway. But you can't exist in the modern world without participating in this in some fashion. So, okay. Yeah, but you
2: can lessen it though, right? That's true. Yeah, if you like go
0: live in the woods somewhere. I I don't know. Well, so so
2: that's that's always the difficulty for me is that we have these feelings, right? We're like, you know what? Something's not right about x or y and we want to change that but it's so impossible to extricate myself from this world that is so interconnected i'm gonna participate what what that reminds me of and i always tell myself so i can do at least do some good is uh gk chesterton said anything worth doing is worth doing badly so even if you can't do it all the way if it's worth doing you can do it at least a little bit (laughs) right like we don't have to be perfectionists
0: no i have a I don't know. I have a friend who like is so like environmentally conscious. I have a few. F- I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of hippie friends who um, really like is mad about the way that fossil fuels run the world. And so um, she doesn't run her heater a lot, but she doesn't really make a difference. I'm sorry, but she just doesn't in that like her singular <laughs> yeah, person doesn't. Still, she doesn't. Do, she doesn't run the heater and she doesn't turn the lights on. But I think her husband is mad at her I think all you the time. Believe, no. <laughs> you believe in
2: the myth of too big to fail. That's what it is.
0: No, I'm, I'm saying that literally, if you look at the, the global use of fossil fuels and energy, one person, I mean, yeah, it's like if we had a mass, if you're part of a mass movement of people, but one person just living in the dark and cold really honestly doesn't do anything. I'm just there being is, a realist. But there is that, a remember. mass
2: of people and it is changing. And so that one person, if she can inspire one other person, it has a ripple effect.
0: Myth of progress.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I, I, I honestly a myth don't of progress think so. Against because the myth of progress
0: that that has to be a massive. Pro- like change over time that takes like incredible and okay. For example, divestment people always want to divest from fossil fuels. You know what happens when you divest from fossil fuels, other people buy up cheaper shares of fossil fuels and the market goes up. It doesn't work unless you reinvest in clean energy and technological advances. But again, we don't know if those things are coming for sure. So divestment efforts, I'm sorry to say like it's a really great idea, but often people who are fighting for divestment don't really understand the economics of divestment and, and they're actually helping oil companies, you know, so it doesn't, and, and, and people who would do moral things with the money that comes from those investments are no longer shareholders. And so they can't speak into how those shares and the shareholding is happening. So, okay. So I'm just saying like sometimes well-intended efforts either hurts the person, only it really hurts the person, it doesn't do any good, or actually helps the people who are trying to be greedy and control the world and destroy it. So... Be careful. Like, do your homework. That, you know, that's a point.
2: That's a point well taken. There, you're right. There is um, always the probability that what you're going to do might cause more harm. And there's, you can look at some recycling <laughs> efforts. There's been people that have pointed that out that sometimes it creates more pollution than the opposite um
0: until you get a critical mass well yeah and rec- recycling some items costs more energy than um actually it, it puts back yeah. into yeah like i think recycling glass in particular costs costs more energy and uses more fossil fuels than just putting it in a landfill so it's not helping us actually but
1: you don't think that there's a there's another side of that in the sense that we're looking at a snapshot like you're right um you're right mona like you do this. It's really not going to make that big of a difference. However, and then we're talking about this mass movement, but sometimes those mass movements, they start because they need some kind of symbol. So even though recycling is not doing necessarily what it should in the moment, over time, it can become a symbol that pushes people forward into that mass change and saying we need to do something about that. Like I'm, I'm thinking that we, we looked so much in the present that we forget that maybe something's building from this token if we want to call it that. But, you know, tokens start out as tokens, but they can end up being very powerful symbols that drive a whole culture, that drive a whole movement. Because in the midst of all this, you know, like the changing landscape of war, like you can make an argument that war is moving from the battlefield to, you know, corporate, whatever and in or even technology there's a battlefield you know we have hackers and you know sometimes warfare is being done that way like we're changing these battlefields but in the midst of it in the midst of these new battlefields so to speak there's still protests. there's still people saying no using the very way or putting themselves on that battlefield and i think that we i think that we underestimate the human spirit and we look so much at the facts and the statistics that we forget that all of these anomalies have happened because someone rises up because a token symbol inspired them and therefore they inspired another, a group of people.
0: That's a great point. No, but, and I think the, the major point I take from that is that people do it. It's not some, it's not some external force like drawing us along. It's people standing up and saying, no, cut it out. I'm not taking that anymore. We're going to change things. You know, you could argue that all of modern democracy is built on that. Is someone standing up and saying, I'm not taking this anymore. We're changing, you know, like,
2: so so this that that just gets directly at the point that I was going to bring up um and ask you we talk about human goodness or human health or something like that that progress we're progressing toward that infinite that infinite approach to that line for you Mona is that line self-determination like the the thing that like we talked about Nietzsche the thing about humans is they should be allowed to be humans they should be allowed to make their own decisions and determine what their lives will look like to you is that like the ultimate human good
0: well so i know that's like the biggest
2: question ever no no that's a a good question
0: (laughs) i'm 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 really i'm trained in feminist theology and feminist theory so for me like human flourishing is the ultimate good and that's What will create The most moral uplift And for me Like human flourishing Is usually you judge Situations by the canary In the coal mine And usually women of color Are the people Who have the least amount Of human flourishing Globally The least amount of rights The least amount of say The least amount of Economic empowerment The most amount of uh, systematic oppression So I think You know There there are some Gauges to measure How women of color In particular Are doing as a gauge For the whole of society So I think So
2: what I hear You're saying Human flourishing You said human flourishing But then you said The ability to determine and uh, you know their lives. Well, how do how do you, how do you determine human rights. flourishing?
0: Yeah, it's, it's that's a good question. But yeah. but
2: I do think that for me, human um, flourishing is more than just self determination. I think self determination is a part of a bigger complex of what I look at human beings as being. That's why this conversation misses the, you know so many different people because we have different ideas of what human beings should be. And maybe it's like too um, psychological or whatever. But for me. Human Humanity is about community, community with our with uh, each other, with our planet, with God, with all those things. And self-determination is a step toward community. Like, uh, I can't be in community if I don't have the ability to determine things for myself and my own feelings to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Well, and I if, don't think and that if be isolated. Is, but if self-determination is the greatest good at the expense of all other things, you get capitalism. You get the things that brought us problems that were we're here because of that. So it's a for me that can't be the end of humanity is i in the very end am my own person and to hell with everything else. Like that that that's an essential part of good community, that i am my own person kind of thing, but that's one tiny part of a bigger picture of the interconnectedness of our world. So i think for me theologically i do go back this goes back to teleology what are humans for like what like why do we exist what is the ultimate human good and i think it is for building up community and that goes back to like my my theology i do believe we should be taking care of the world that's, well, I think
0: that's problematic too, though, because it, community can often turn into tribalism, and I know you've talked about that in the past. That you don't like tribalism. That's why I say the world, right, right, right. the <laughs> and global maybe the community, whole universe. the global community. And for me, that's yeah. what human flourishing means. It's not. It's not an individual human flourishing because I don't believe individuals can be isolated from their their larger Absolutely. context. Absolutely, we can't. There's just not. That's not real. I don't think so. Um, we we are we are much larger than our own individual interior or bodily lives and so, as a
2: species we can't separate ourselves from the rest of the species in the world or as a world from the rest and maybe the picture goes even bigger so maybe someday we will be an intergalactic species right but
0: so why but does progress matter we're... though what, so th- this is the whole question is the world getting better or worse why does that question matter why do we care about that question
2: because we don't want to throw good money after bad
0: is it all, is it about commodification? Is it about... Okay, no,
2: like- it's like, it's like, why why live, why live for the community if it's only going to get worse and worse and worse? And that's what Jeff was talking about. What like, if it's not getting better or worse?
0: What Like, why do we have that, to measure that's that That's my all?
2: thought. I, I don't think we can necessarily measure it because nobody has access to what the ultimate human good is. I have what I believe, but if I push that whole, like, community goodness of humanity thing on other people, I begin to do the things that are the problem in the first place. So well, I think, we no. know, but know. what
0: you said though, it doesn't have to necessarily have a religious undertone. And I think that's probably the closest thing we have human flourishing and global community and like global human rights and, and uplift is like the closest thing we have to like a universal ethic today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you know, in the, in contemporary ethics, like, because you, you can do like Christian ethics or Buddhist ex- ethics or Muslim ethics, and you can like have your faith like really strongly intertwined. But when you try to bring those values to the public square and you say, well, God wants us to love each other, then people will go, well, I don't believe in God and I can't participate in that because I'm ideologically ex- uh, excluded. So we have to but bring... But I would say
2: most of those people would believe in self-determination. And for me, in my Christianity, self-determination is a central component. God has given us the freedom to determine certain things. And so if you sin against somebody else's agency, you're breaking like the first relationship that God has created with us is that we are human beings and are able to make choices, et cetera.
0: Yeah. 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 No. And and you can be inspired by your faith. You can believe that completely. Like that's what people, I don't think people understand about pluralism and living in like a global society. It's like nobody's trying to take your, your personal beliefs away from you. If that inspires you to be a better person in the world. Awesome. If that inspires you to shoot for more humane technological advances. Awesome. But Unless it can't can be considered a universal ethic if not everybody can agree with the central the, uh, theoretical tenets of it, so if it means assuming there 's a God, if you have an ethics that 's completely wrapped around uh, God or a conception of history pro- progressing that 's wrapped around God, like not everyone can participate in it, and therefore you can 't make you can 't make um, You can't make claims or um, assumptions on it that will goad people into action. Like you can't walk into – yeah.
2: Yeah. You can make those claims and, and I do. I do believe God has a purpose for the world and for us and freedom is a really big part of that, freedom of the human being and of creation. But that doesn't mean I can make that an actionable faith for other people. That's absolutely, you can't, Well, you can make like, those assume. claims, but it's
0: not like the highest kind of claim. Like actually human yeah, flourishing, like for sure. it's really, really, really hard to debunk human flourishing as an ultimate good. Like from any religious perspective, you, you kind of can't do it. So that's why it becomes like that becomes a meta ethics that becomes a, something that we can all buy into. I mean, that's why we have the we would try to have the U.N.
2: <laughs> that's because we're all biologically wired. To continue flourishing, that's the only reason right there.
0: Or we're wired to eat each other.
1: (laughs) So back to your question (laughs) is, why do we believe in a progressive myth? Because we don't want life to suck. (laughs) You know, I mean, wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, we don't want to believe that everything around us is going to come crashing down. Well, some people do. Some people's whole (laughs) uh, eternal life is based on that. But for the most part, like even then, if you really break it down, we just... Because even... Even with someone, which we'll get into obviously next week when we talk to eschatology, even someone who believes that the world needs to get worse because it all needs to be destroyed because they want to go to heaven, they still have a certain amount of myth of progress within them as they're believing for this one place where everything's going to be better. And I think that's just there's natural. I don't have any, I'm sorry, I don't have any philosophers to quote or theologians to quote or anything like that. But I know that when I live my life, when the world around me seems hopeless, then the things that I do seem less meaningful. The things that I do seem less important. But if I have, even if, but if I have this central driving thing that says, well, maybe things are gonna get better. I believe things are gonna get better or whatever, then it can bring meaning back into those things. And I'm not just walking around like a drone waiting for the day that I'm going to die.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, what you said, like, the kingdom of heaven is a myth of progress, right? It's a, it's a belief that, like, things are, like, God's kingdom is coming to earth or we're going to God's Soar kingdom down. It's after a death. thought of
1: progress. It's, it's a, not a myth of progress.
0: It's a belief in progress. But, but
2: there's a lot of people who would say, well, okay, yeah. It's a belief in whole-
0: progress that transcends and, and trumps whatever's happening on earth.
2: Jesus inaugurated it, and it's going to expand until a point when the kingdom is fully realized. There's yes, that is probably a myth of, of progress. But some people think that the world's just going to get worse, and it's the white slate is going to be wiped clean. No, I but like call Jeff that said, a myth of progress. But like Jeff
0: said, we're going. Those people believe that they're going to a heavenly kingdom, so they're they're trying to get to a better place. Like you know, and I think that's a really important point. Um, that we you know we we all dream of paradise and utopia. That's that's yeah, that's part yeah, well, of having I hope think as humans. That's like
1: the that's the furthest end of it. I think sometimes we just dream for a good day. Like I think we're, we we we're, like because we've talked about this a little bit before, but this idea of perfection every day. Everyone's idea of perfection is represented in whatever philosophy they have. I'm not even talking about perfection that we're going to move forward. I'm just talking about that. Maybe we can take a step forward towards our destination as opposed to concentrating so much on the destination itself. Like. That's the thing for me is I think we when we get into these conversations and we ask these questions we we disconnect ourselves from the solution in the sense that we're worried so much about well this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and we're asking those questions instead of just being like well this is wrong I can do something about this and and letting it happen there I think if we talk too much and you know ironically in our podcast but if we talk too much or we philosophize too much or you know, theological speculation too much or whatever, then we're 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 separating ourselves from being a part of that solution. So maybe the idea. But
0: there's a real danger though in not being really circumspect before you take action because I know a lot of people I agree with that. But there are a lot of people
1: that don't have the time to be afforded to do that. Like if I'm just worried about, you know, walking down the road to get my water for the day and come back safe and not getting robbed or whatever. Like you can see that when when the church moved towards because I agree there has to be a balance. But when the church moved towards being its own institution and no longer under the threat of persecution or whatever, then we had more time to think about things. But then we also had time to overthink things. So, I think that there's there's a balance. There are people who
0: think for a living, and that's their job. That's their. uh, Agreed. But if they lived
1: in a certain political context, they wouldn't have that job because they wouldn't have the time or the opportunity to do it. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that you can. There's it's it's everything's an extreme. So you can overthink stuff and be no good to the rest of the world, or you, all you can do is just react to every moment and do more damage than good. And that there's that balance place that we have to regulate ourselves. And I believe that we as humanity are capable of doing that, even though sometimes we don't always do it.
0: But a lot of times we participate in in the myth of progress, like through just walking around the world, and we we like intentionally not a, I'm trying to say this. This is what really irks me about this though is that we really do turn a blind eye to a lot of problems. We really do. And I agree you can't like give up hope and just say well it's all gone to crap and I can't do anything anymore ever again and lose your reason you for being in the world. But you can look
2: at those negative things as collateral damage. That's the problem. That's why the myth of progress is right. dangerous. It's very but sometimes dangerous. we need to
1: do something wrong to get right. Like what I'm saying is like th- we can't expect that sometimes we talk too much because we're waiting for the perfect solution instead of being willing to try something and fail in order to find the perfect solution like there has to be that balance like we can plan and try this but we can't wait for something to be perfect or right because sometimes the 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 cycle of failure helps us get to that place of right better than anything we could speculate because sometimes you just can't speculate until you. So
2: you're, yeah, you're arguing for the scientific method and how the science, like science has progressed. And I I think that there's an element of truth to that, whether we we're just balancing that with human good and perhaps ecological good and how those things are a little bit more complicated. Like the, what you're talking about is easy to see. Everybody really buys into progress. Like you can, you can see it. Like, like we said, every single year, um, and that's not necessarily intrinsically bad. It's just when it's not balanced with, and this is what I hear you saying, with other things that it can get carried away like we have right now. Um, I did want to say, though, just real quick to clarify, we talked about like the kingdom of heaven being a myth of progress, and maybe even heaven and an eternal afterlife, us progressing to something better. Like, I come at this conversation as a Christian, and I do believe that, Like, the reason we long for heaven or maybe even progress is that we are at a point in our development as a species, maybe, that we can taste of divinity in a way that maybe other elements of the world can't. Like, I I do believe that we have a connection with God in such a way that even whether we believe in God or not, that we have that connection, and that's what drives us to be, be to want to be better people, to want to take care of humanity in a better way, to maybe want to be in an afterlife. I think that that has a causative effect. I can't prove it, and it's not for everybody, but that's kind of what drives my religion. It, community ultimately means we are headed toward God individually, and maybe we're tripping and stumbling along the way, and maybe we're going to go down in a fiery inferno and destroy everything, but the whole point is that we are supposed to be connecting with the ultimate and that, for me, is God. Um,
0: well, it's hard. It's hard for me because people talk about Christianity, and you know, to like bolster human rights, and people talk about Christianity to use nuclear weapons, and guns. absolutely. So it's yes. To me, like the yeah. God conversation becomes really a sidetrack from what is ultimately toward human flourishing. I, I, to, I would go the opposite you're, direction. You're saying
2: it can be used in all sorts of ways, and it's almost, right. it's almost to the point where it's irrelevant. But I'm just saying, for me personally. That's what drives my part of the conversation. That's even great. Though it's
0: I celebrate that, not for you know? other people, but for yeah. me. It's I. I would. I would much rather that we put that aside and and do more work before we just bulldoze a big forest. Listen
2: to Mona bulldozing my theology and saying, "Let's put that to the side so we can do really good stuff." I didn't. You sound so you. empirical. Look at that, or, or whatever. Like I just said, I celebrated your beliefs, brah. You, you said it. But then you said, but let's put that aside because it's irrelevant I said, to the conversation. What I All right, think well, is, if, if,
1: if this conversation is a, a picture of the myth of progress, then maybe progress is a myth because
2: <laughs> I feel like we're moving <laughs> to a different direction. No, so it's good. You know what? Th- there's some really good points that I really have to think about. That, well, this that that, this is up. the
0: irony is that myth of progress has been like, in a lot of ways, a pretty liberal strain. Uh, like people who have a high view of evolution are like, well, we're, we're evolving into better humans, you know, and, and that's lately has been largely debunked, even though there's there's optimisms coming back in some ways. But um, I I think it's it's funny for me to say this because I don't hold to a concept of original sin, but I really do believe, like give people a week without food and power and they turn into... We turn back into animals like our, our, our reptilian and basic brains takes over and we're ready to kill and, and eat people like all the end of the world movies. And I think honestly, this is why humans lately, like if you look at media since 2008, we have like a total obsession, obsession with end of the world and apocalyptic media, total obsession. I think because we realize that we're like, even in, our, even in our very technological state, when we have the internet, all of us basically in this country, many of us have the internet access to the internet and access to all of human knowledge. We're still so frail. We're still like a couple days away from like ending as a society. Like all it would take is like a week for our whole economy to collapse. So I'm not trying to be a doomsday Sarah, but I'm saying like, if we're going to hold to a myth of progress, let's do it in a way that's really well informed about the actual state of reality, the actual state of our environment the actual state of our economy and let's let's be intelligent about it that's that's what i was, I was gonna to say the the, the, right, to yeah, the the
2: reason that there's yeah the reason that since 2008 we have all that is because we feel the air getting hotter around us we're like snakes that can feel vibrations in the ground and we don't even know what's going on but we can feel it in the air we feel the w- earth warming up and we, we we see it coming
0: so do we so do we panic or do we do we focus our energies and that's that's the thing i think we so, sociologically, we've developed into a very passive species who, you know, like um, Noam Chomsky writes about this. Like we are our, our consent has been manufactured. The patterns of our thought has been have been manufactured through engaging through engaging in social media and and and, and popular media. So Will we have like that? That's the nice part about a society that's been very cultivated and manufactured, like thought wise, that it's orderly, but we're also very kind of impotent when it comes to big social change. And so I think being an activist is one of the best ways, like getting involved in protests and activist work is one of the best ways to cultivate your personal sense of agency and to participate in the world and to actually make the myth of progress real. Like, and that's the thing, like humans have to do it. It's not just going to happen on its own because, you know, God wills it because we have had ages in the past where we've tanked as people. We've blown each other up. We've killed each other. We've raped and pillaged. Like
2: the the last 500 years. Yeah. God does not prevent us.
0: God does not prevent us from doing horrible things to each other. We have to do it.
1: I think that's. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> a lot I'm getting.
0: More. Am I getting intense a little bit? I'm getting no, mad no. about it.
1: I think the whole conversation is fantastic and wonderful, <laughs> and uh, no, it is, it is. But we 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 don't want to go too long. We can probably go forever. So, um, any takeaways before we we move into our own micro version of the myth of progress and talk about our New Year's resolutions? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I don't. I I would just say if you think we missed the whole point, go ahead and let us know. Um, you can email me. And we can talk about what you say in our next episode because we will talk about the end of the world. Right. Are we doing that? Yes. Sweet. Very good.
0: I think my takeaway is like I think it's really important for each of us to examine like what we've internalized and what our what our view of this is and how it causes us to act in the world. You know, so don't take it from us. Like what 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 have you been taught? What do you hold to? What gives you hope for being in the world? Um, and what maybe could you let go of that is holding you back from actively participating in the world?
2: Oh my gosh. Sorry. You just gave me a takeaway. I'm after (laughs) listening to you. I'm so inspired. Uh, I would just say live with both eyes open. Don't assume good is good for everybody. That's it.
1: And I would say if you believe the world is getting worse, then do something about it and make the world (laughs) around you better. If you believe it's getting better, then whatever you're doing, do it better. And wherever you're at in the world, do something good that affects your world, not just you. So I think that that's where I will land anyway if you have any thoughts on this obviously there's a lot to talk about you can do that and comment at the show notes at iranacast.com slash 44 and then any general feedback is headed into the new year we're still looking for topic ideas let us know what you think of the show overall at iranacast.com slash feedback and now we will move into our segment this week which will be talking about our new year's resolutions or again lack thereof So we're going to be a little cliche this week, since it is the first episode of the year. We'll talk about New Year's resolutions. Do you two make New Year's resolutions?
2: No. Sometimes, yes.
1: Sometimes, yes, and no. And I do, actually, every year. Whether I write it down or not, I always do. So, Mona, why don't you make them was there a specific instance where you're like i'm not going to do this anymore or you've just never been- i
0: feel like if it was that important to you you would just work on it and you wouldn't have to wait <laughs> for a special holiday that comes around once yes. a year to promise yourself that you're going to improve yourself just do it
2: i did do a news resolution last year and i completed it that was fantastic it was the first one i have set so many and i wait have,
0: what what did you complete though
2: well uh, last last year i read one book a week
0: wow That's impressive. Yeah, but everyone's like, oh, that's
2: so cool. But, you know, you just have a lot of free time. If dude just did some work, wouldn't have time to read.
1: So you accomplished something and now you're totally devaluing your accomplishment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was actually really fun. Um,
0: You wait. okay, wait a minute, though. If you accomplish it. You have every right to freaking revel in that accomplishment <laughs> no. and feel really <laughs> exactly. great about yourself. Yeah, uh, don't get this false humility crap out of there. Like you, you know what? don't have w- earned don't say it.
2: false humility because it really hurts me. It's actually real humility and when you say false What's real humility? it makes me feel No, a devaluing worse.
0: your accomplishments is not real humility. Okay.
2: Sorry I was a- I was abused in my spiritual upbringing
1: oh my goodness this Aww, is taking an interesting Alan. turn so Alan, yeah. your yeah. new year's so, resolution this year what was it
2: <laughs> my new year's resolution this year actually i started like half a month early so i don't even know if i can call it a new year's resolution but i resolved not to eat meat this year and i won't get into all the reasons why until we have our ecology episode because i'm gonna make you guys do it at some point
0: point. and i've been torturing you by sending you vegan and vegetarian so memes funny. yeah
2: i know she sent me a picture well to put this up of uh Carrots inside of the <laughs> inside of a uh, remote, and it's, like in place in like, the batteries. Yeah, it has some explicative and it says vegans because you know that's veggie <laughs> power. That's good. <laughs> that's good stuff. It yeah, said so vegans. I, I was going to go totally yeah. vegan, um, and I did that for a month almost. And I decided, like, I read a lot of stuff about health and some other things, and I decided that I would make one concession and I would eat cage free eggs.
0: You have a good amount of willpower, though. That's fantastic. That's good Good for you.
1: All right. So, Mona, if you were going to make a New Year's resolution, what's something that you okay, would want to see better?
0: Here's the thing. You guys, I turned 30. I'm feeling a little bit old. Yeah. My feet don't work anymore. <laughs> I had to get orthotics. <laughs> no, seriously. It's, like, kind of not funny. I had to get orthotics in my shoes. And so... Because it happened around the holidays, because of the holiday sales, I got some orthotics and now I'm able to work out more. So it just by happenstance, I'm trying to get in shape, but it has nothing to do with flipping New Year's. OK, I'm just doing it because you know what? I feel like in society, especially where like body stuff is concerned, like you are measured as a person by how much willpower you have to like be an animal and like get in shape and eat right. And I'm bothered by that. I don't like being, I don't like, I don't like my personal sense of power being measured by how m- much I wear, how what I look like? I don't like it. So I try to like be subversive, but I have to balance that with the fact that like, I don't want to be unable to walk by the time I'm 45. So I want to be healthy and I want to, you know, just, I just want to be healthy.
2: So, so what, what, what's yours, Jeff? Did you say you were having? You had one.
1: I do. I well. I every year I have several, and I guess it, there, it's not like a formal thing where I'm like I got to do this, but I think I get caught up in the air of like it's it's a new year, um, and I've always been a planner, so December is always my mode of thinking of the next year. So I can't help but apply that personally. So I also, you know, I do a lot of house cleaning and organizing during December and trying to get this going and. Um, so while I'm doing all these things about organizing it, it puts my mind into a place of, okay, so what's next for me and all that kind of stuff. So, so I guess for me, like I just, I want to do more cooking, but the main thing, honestly, like not to be too self from congratulatory, like I really, I'm, my concentration is, is this show and, and possibly spoiler alert, another show for our, you know, little niche in the future.
0: Sounds good. All like that taco cooking is making me hungry. I know. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go eat some eggs and like laugh at Alan. <laughs> hey,
2: if they're cage-free, I'll feel better, all right?
0: They're cage-free. They're omega cage-free, all right? I do not mess around with my eggs.
2: The chickens I eat eggs from eat vegetables and get proper nutrition.
0: Did you meet them?
2: No. See, that's actually the next step. I, I do live in a place where people do have farms, and I am going to find a farm somewhere where they treat animals right. The problem is they kill them when they no longer have eggs. It's really sad.
0: Well, yeah. What good are they? Oh my God! What's their tell us? <laughs> See exactly
2: what's their tell Oh, it's for human consumption. What? Well, no. Listen.
0: Listen. No. What's the point of farming to have a bunch of infertile chickens just taking up space? Okay, they could be food. They they don't have a higher brain to process their own feelings and existence. Whoa, whoa. They don't have consciousness. They chickens don't have consciousness. <laughs> wait, wait, wait.
2: They, they have. Don't. They have the ability to form attachments. And just because you can't perceive their consciousness.
0: They're not. No, they're not conscious of their consciousness. That's what consciousness. is. So for is.
2: you, that's that's when it's
0: you're conscious of your consciousness. So you would yeah. you,
2: you would eat gorillas because they're not consciousness of their consciousness.
0: No, they're conscious of their consciousness. Are you like, sure? Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> so sure. So if there's a human like,
2: being that's not, would you eat them?
0: <laughs> this took a turn. So I feel like a ref this <laughs> week.
1: Jeez. Okay, so. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, Let us know your resolution or anything that you'd like to talk to us about at our website. at
0: And please do not spread rumors that Mona is part of the Donner Party or would opt to be. Because, listen, Alan is not a good person. (laughs) Whoa. All right.
2: Don't knock on cannibalistic societies. Look at you.
1: My goodness. Wait, don't knock on cannibalistic. All right. Let's, (laughs)
2: Let's...
1: That'll do it for us this week for we real this time. We did not
0: support cannibalism. So if you like no. what you
1: hear or you're completely offended by what you hear, you can comment at the show notes at IrenaCast.com slash 44, or you can just comment on the show in general at IrenaCast.com slash feedback. And also, we forgot to announce last week, but we are on Instagram. So check us out on Instagram at IrenaCast, and there you'll get some pictures of your hosts and little sneak previews into some of the subjects we have coming up soon and some behind-the-scenes, not footage, but what's... What's just a still picture? Just picture? Not footage behind the scenes. <laughs> it's just a picture. Image. A picture. Whatever. <laughs> so that <laughs> So for this week, I'm Jeff.
0: I'm Mona. And
1: I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation.
0: And stay tuned for Mona's family singing jingle bells as a wrap-up to the holiday season.
1: Yes.